Complete joy and complete assurance. Those are the two things that every Christian needs to be able to be to be able to be spiritually, mentally, and relationally healthy. Complete joy and complete assurance. Tragically, those are the two things that most Christians lack the most. Complete joy and complete assurance. Why is this? Well, let me just say that if you are in Christ, you have a unconditional, permanent, unbreakable relationship, fellowship with the Father and with the Son through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And it's permanent, it's unbreakable, it's unconditional, because that fellowship is grounded in the finished work of Christ alone. It is something that was given you as a matter and grounded in His finished work, not anything you've done. Consequently, it's unconditional, it's permanent, and unbreakable. And that's something for which we can rejoice. But there's a believer's side to the equation of growing in Christ. We are to respond, we are to be participants in our own salvation, inasmuch that we are to continue to walk in that truth. We are to continue to work out that fellowship. And joy, complete joy, and complete assurance is tied directly to our continuing in the truth. Now, that's where the problem comes. Because unless you're hearing the truth, unless you're being given the depths and the breadths of the truth instead of superficial silliness on a regular basis within your community, you're not going to be able to continue in the truth unless you're hearing it, unless you're being instructed, unless you're being taught that. So your joy, complete joy and complete assurance, are a derivative of continuing in the truth. And the problem is that in American Christianity is a very superficial teaching, a very um, uh, spiritualized immorality is what it really is. So you hear a lot of greed and you hear a lot of entertainment and you hear a lot of um, condescending or you hear a lot of... um, even comedy, but you don't hear the grounding that you needed in the whole counsel of God. So let me say it again. Complete joy and complete assurance, which are so essential for your spiritual, mental, and relational health, are derivatives of your continuing in the truth. And the prerequisite for that happening is you being exposed to the truth of God's word, expounded and presented to you in a depth that will actually transform you. And tragically, in American Christianity, that is just not happening. Now, this is not new. This has been something that's been going on throughout the history of God's people. Throughout the history of God's people, prophets and priests have found their way to uh, exercise greed and exercise other um, uh, lies, but they simply don't offer the people pastoral care. For instance, in Jeremiah six thirteen, it says here, From the least of them even to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for gain. And from the prophet even to the priest, everyone practices lying. 
Does that sound like American Christianity? I turned on the TV this morning and I uh, looked up to see that it was on a channel that was having some uh, popular uh, husband and wife team being interviewing a, a, a equally popular and famous pastor about his new book. And so they were endorsing this man's new book, and that's what they do. They go on to each other's programs and endorse each other's new book. So the royalties keep rolling in, and they give him all kinds of superficial power phrases, and it's always about victory this and victory over that and breakthrough for you today and, and all this hype. But it's lifeless. It's empty. It's shallow. And yet people tune into this and try so desperately, so desperately to draw something out of it. And it's not there to be had. It's an empty, I, I take that back, it's a poisoned well. So, from the least of them, even to the greatest of them, Jeremiah cries, everyone is greedy for gain. And from the prophet, even to the priest, everyone practices lying. And then he goes on to say this, they have healed the brokenness of my people superficially, saying, peace, peace. But there is no peace. Were they ashamed because of the abomination they have done? They were not even ashamed at all. They did not even know how to feel dishonor. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At the time that I punish them, punish them they shall be cast down, says the Lord. Now, so prevalent was this problem within Israel that Jeremiah, Jeremiah two pages later, two chapters later, will actually cry it out a second time. He'll say, therefore, um, he says, everyone is greedy for gain, Jeremiah 8.10. Everyone is greedy for gain, from the prophet even to the priest. Everyone practices lying. It's verbatim. They heal the brokenness of the daughter of my people superficially, saying, Peace, peace, but there is no peace. Were they ashamed because of the abomination they had done? They certainly were not ashamed, and they did not know how to even feel dishonor. Now, lest you think that this was just a, a problem for Jeremiah in Jeremiah's time, uh, it wasn't. In Ezekiel 13.10, we read this. So my hand will be against the prophets who see worthless visions and utterly lying divinations. They will not be in the council of my people, nor will they be written down in the register of the house of Israel, nor will they enter the land of Israel, that you may know that I am, am the Lord, Yahweh. It is definitely because they have misled my people by saying, Peace, when there is no peace. And when anyone builds a wall, behold, they plaster it over with whitewash. He's using metaphor here. This is whitewashed pastoral care. It is useless. So tell those who plaster it over with whitewash that it will fall. A flooding rain will come, and you, O hailstones, will fall, and a stormy wind will break out. That's reminiscent, isn't it? It's echoed by Jesus in Matthew 7 about those who build on sand. And when the storm came and the winds blew and the waters roared, everything came crashing down. So joy, complete joy and complete assurance 
are absolutely essential to your spiritual and emotional and relational well-being. And that's why in our study on God's on confession, on the Christian's confession, we are going to be looking so hard at 1 John on that point. Because there's two points that John wants for you to come out of this study with, us to come out of this study with, and that is complete joy and complete assurance. Let me just read those to you. 1 John 1, 4. He's saying, And these things we are writing so that our joy may be made complete. John is proclaiming the true incarnation, the word of life, the life that was manifested and was seen by the apostles and declared to them, and the implications of that incarnation being the permanent, unconditional, unbreakable fellowship with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And now John is writing so that our joy may be made complete. So this is the, the truth of the matter. The truth of the matter is, is that joy and assurance don't come automatically. They come about as a result of us continuing in the truth. Later, in chapter 5, he says, having written the letter, he's concluding, he says, These things I have written to you. So in First John 1, 4, he's talking about why he's writing. And then in verse 13 of chapter 5, he's concluding, saying, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. There you go. He's writing to believers so that, that's the Greek purpose clause, you may know that you have eternal life. There's nothing more important to your spiritual development than the knowledge that you have eternal life. To say it another way, he says in 1 John 2, 12, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake. We all start out as little children in Christ. We all start out as infants. And we all prepare to grow into spiritual development as adolescents and then as mothers and fathers in the faith. And there's nothing more important to our spiritual development than knowing that our sins are forgiven for his namesake. And there's nothing more important than for us to understand that that means we have eternal life. So we must continue in the truth in order to gain this most essential, complete joy and complete assurance. Jesus said it in the, in the Gospel of John, didn't he? In John chapter 8, speaking to a group of persons who have just professed belief in him, Jesus said to them, If you abide in my word, if you continue in my word, then are you to my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. See, it's our continuing in the truth. It's our continued pursuit of the truth that grounds us eventually in complete joy and complete assurance. So I'm excited about this study. We are in perilous times. We are in desperate times. It is really a sad condition that American Christianity is in. But that does not mean that you have to be, nor those close to you, nor your fellowship has to be. We can all start. We can all start by leaning into it and by saying, you know what, I'm not going to go this way. 
I'm not going to go to the way of the masses. Remember, the wide, the wide gate and the broad way leads to destruction. At some point in our Christian walk, we have to say, I'm not going that way anymore. I'm going to follow, go through the straight gate and the narrow way. I'm going to walk in the blood-stained footprints of Jesus. I'm going to continue in the truth. And I'm going to know that I'm on the right path because I will have complete joy and complete assurance that I have eternal life. So the two points that we're going to be looking at in this study, which is very important on Christian confession, are on our ability to rightly confess sins. What does that mean? We've already begun to address that, haven't we, in our first two lessons. If you haven't listened to those, I encourage you to go back and listen to those two first studies. We've learned that we don't confess sins to be forgiven. We confess sins because we are forgiven. That because of the fellowship we have with the Father and the Son, the unbreakable, unconditional, permanent, fellowship with the Father and the Son, that God is continually cleansing us from all sin. Not just known sin, but from all sin. And then, as a result of our bringing our mind and our will by grace alone, through the ministry of the Spirit, into line with the Father and the Son, we confess our sins, meaning we learn that that is something that we do um, uh, as a ongoing lifestyle, it's a permanent disposition of the child of God to agree with God, to say the same thing that God says about the nature and reality of sin. And so, because we are in that state, because 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that is a description of the believer. It isn't necessarily at all a prescription. It is a description of who we are. It's what we do. It's not a matter of, did we get to the confessional this week? Or did we get to the altar on Sunday night and confess our sins? He's not talking about an event. He's talking about a description of what we do, who we are. We, we have brought our mind and will into line with the mind and will of God so that we say the same things that God says. That's the word confess. It's a, it translates the Greek word homologeo, meaning simply to say the same thing. And in this context, to say the same thing as God says about sin. And that's a settled predisposition on the part of the child of God. It's who we are. And so we're learning some wonderful things about how it is we confess our sins. It's a state of mind. It's a, it's a settled disposition. And now we're going to look at what God says about sin. That's We've already begun that in Lesson 2. What does God say about sin so that we can have uh, the assurance that we are, in, in fact, saying the same thing that God says about sin? And we're leaving that to the letter of 1 John. We're going to limit it, but it's a very good place to, to start. It's a good place to give us a good foundation, and we will gain the assurance of knowing that we're saying the same thing as God about sin. But there's a second point of confession that's equally as important, and that is later on in our study, we'll be looking at the Christian confession regarding Jesus. We're going to be looking at that same word, to confess, 
homologeo, the Greek word, to say the same thing regarding our confession of Jesus. Now, I must say, this is very timely because we live at a time when there's all sorts of alternative Christs that are being offered us. I mean, the, the TV series, the movie series, whatever it is, The Chosen, is just one aspect, one example of how we are being given an alternative view of Christ by the culture, by art, by the innovation and imaginations of men, by false teachers, even by many evangelical churches. And so we live at a time when we have to be checked out on both of these points in order to continue in the truth and have our opportunity to know complete joy and complete assurance that we are continuing in the truth. That is no small task these days, beloved, but it can be done. And I'm into it. I'm with you on this. I am not a, I have not reached perfection. I have not ascended. I'm not some kind of an ascended guru. <laughs> I am your brother in Christ. I am working this study as well as you are because I know that my joy is not complete. And my joy, my sense of assurance can be stronger. And so I'm looking for that too as I go through this study with you. And so my purpose, my goal, is to make sure that this material is presented to you in such a fashion that you will be equipped to continue in the truth and therefore know complete joy and complete assurance, which are the grounds for your mental, spiritual, and relational health. So I just wanted to stop and take a few moments and encourage you exhort you to continue in this study. The implications and the ramifications of doing so are just critical at this point. It's not something you'll be able to find everywhere. I'm not the only one saying these things. Thanks be to God. But I am saying it to you. So stick with me. I look forward to seeing you again or in the next lesson. If you have any questions, if you have any concerns, don't hesitate to send me an email encounterrecovery at gmail.com I don't know that I can always get to all the emails and I won't I'll try to get them as to them as, as timely as possible but I'm on your side I'm in your corner I'm here to uh, help assure that you get the complete joy and the complete assurance that John the Apostle wants you to have by writing this letter and that I know for certain is the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name, may the Lord bless you and strengthen you. Amen.